Welcome to the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast, a conversation built to help you address the mess, connect the dots, and defeat addiction. Doing your work matters because if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Life is tough and we're here to help. I'm your host, Ben Derrick, and as always, I'll be joined by Roan Hunter. Let's jump right in. Roan, back again for another episode. It's my standard intro. I like it. I'm going to stick with it. You're really, I mean, you got it down pat. Let's call a spade a spade. We're here for another episode. (laughs) You got the radio voice going. And I think I've told you, um, probably many people have told you, you Mm. got the perfect face for radio. Exactly. Oh, wait. That's... Dude, I'm showing my age because this you got the perfect face for podcasting. Yeah, for pod, most people don't know what the radio is. But uh, I was going to bring up, and you've given me the excellent opportunity to do so. I've had three separate compliments on my beard this week, which, <laughs> you know, I can appreciate that. As a bald man, uh, when people compliment your facial hair, it's nice. Did you just follically challenged. Oh, that, is that that's how that works? Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, the truth is about my beard, I think it's drawing attention now because it is, it is desperately gray. And uh, I don't know, I should probably have a session with you about that because I don't, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I spent a decade as a pastor. And when I started that job, my beard was this majestic brown and it was so impressive. And uh, now I just look like I have a sleigh with toys. That's how it works. There's, there's yeah, that, yep. Yeah. That's it. You nailed it. <laughs> That's how it goes. Yeah. Uh, are, is there a recovery group for uh, former pastors? Uh, well, there probably should be. Uh, right now, it's called insurance, just selling insurance, uh, you know. <laughs> or, or furniture. Be- becoming yeah. an entrepreneur, writing a book about how hard your life was or something. I don't know. Former pastors are a weird breed. Yeah. Yeah. Writing a book about all the meetings that you sat in. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people get so offended the way I talk about church, the way I talk about being a pastor, but... Man, it is just a bizarre scene, isn't it? I know this is not what this episode's about, but <laughs> we, let's just stop here for a moment. I think we could do a whole nother, uh, like not just episode, but a whole nother podcast on, yes. on this subject. Yeah. Yep. Church hurts. Uh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll start. I'll, I'll go on a rant. Yeah. yeah. We better change the topic. That's Quit. right. Well, I'm recovering. Thanks for asking. Yes. Uh, it's, it's going well. Other than the color of my facial hair, I'm uh, getting a lot of fulfillment. And I don't mind saying behind Mike, uh, specifically behind this effort, recording these conversations and knowing that these conversations are doing good for people worldwide. We see you, Australia. We mm-hmm. see you, the Netherlands. We're, yeah. At one point, we were number one. In Switzerland, yeah, uh, which why is, not? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've been there. Uh, went skiing with my 16 year old son. There and, you go. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. Obviously, the people remember me. Interesting. From, if you yeah. look at the uh, the heat map on who's distributing our podcast, we have a very high concentration West Coast and East Coast, which is incredibly surprising because we're in the Deep South. Uh, But I think it's just further evidence that these conversations are helping people. And I like to stop every few episodes to mention what was behind this podcast, why this thing got launched, because you and Eva wrote a book and that book started making waves. Yeah, it did. Uh, The book is, you know, uh, Sex, God, and the Chaos of Betrayal, um, the couple's roadmap of hope and healing, recovery from infidelity affairs, pornography, and sexual addiction. Um, and you know, the book was born out of our own journey, uh, and my own recovery from sexual addiction, uh, now, uh, over 33 years and Eva as a partner and we weave our story in, um, 
and also certainly the clinical training, uh, the work that we've done um, and the training that we uh, have been through. Um, and and it's just, it's been pretty amazing to see how uh, God has used it and opened doors. And, you know, it's why we do what we do today and um, certainly why we do the podcast. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to watch and even more beautiful thing to be a part of. So today we're going to talk through something that uh, you taught me in session a couple years ago. I have subsequently started to teach a lot of people uh, and it's all, it has its root and we often say to people, what's broken in relationship has to heal in relationship. And we intuitively understand the broken relationship part. Like, yes, I don't like this. I don't like how we're participating in relationship. Uh, But many of us don't have anything to lay on top of what that brokenness is or what it looks like or how to decode it. You guys use something called the Karpman Drama Triangle that is just like balm to the soul of people who are trapped in relational drama. So we're going to spend some time today talking through that, the three separate points on the triangle, and then actually how to get out of that dynamic or how to heal that dynamic in particular ways. But I thought it would be helpful for our listeners to just walk around that triangle to hear you describe essentially the three default positions in relationships that are experiencing chaos and just walk around describing those three and then we'll layer on top how to get out of those. So where would you like to start? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you, you said it, the Karpman drama triangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes when I say it, uh, the, the guy will be like, Cartman? Uh, is this from South <laughs> I Park? I get that too. You mean the South Park guy? <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. He's got a relational theory. <laughs> No, yeah, Carpman. Carp, K A R P. Yeah, uh, but uh, which, by the way, greatest episode of South Park uh, was uh, Harry and Meghan the worldwide privacy tour. If you haven't seen that, one, I haven't seen you it. You just got to go watch. Okay, that. man, it's, challenge accepted. Yeah, it's a uh, it's beautiful actually. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, back back on back on point. Yeah, let's do it. Yep. But the uh, Cartman drama triangle, obviously, uh, it was a dude named Cartman mm-hmm. that came up with this. Um, we call it uh, we call it the crazy dance. Uh, it's oftentimes it's called the victim triangle. It's really the three faces of victim. Um, there's the classic victim, and then the two other uh, sides of of somebody being a victim. Um, and but the thing of it is, it's like when we when we teach uh, a couple this or uh, we teach it in our workshops and our intensives uh, and then we actually have them do the work and we get them on the triangles mm-hmm. um, and we call it experiential therapy because you're not just sitting on the couch cognitively thinking about something that somebody is telling you. You're actually engaging your your brain and your body in the process and you're moving around these triangles and it just, it, it has a deeper effect and you remember it. And it's like with this, with this one in particular, it's one of those things that once you see it and understand it, you cannot unsee it. That is so true. This plays out in every relationship and the, the it's it's just you know it's a triangle um and you know will uh, i have a, a kind of a drawing that explains it and breaks out the triangles uh we'll I'll, we'll put this on our uh, website mm-hmm. uh, the sexgodchaos.com website yeah um and so that you know you can just go to the website and you'll see it 
but it's just it's triangle, and the three sides of the triangle, the three corners. Um, uh, one corner is the parent enabler, um, and up underneath that uh, is the word rescue or the rescuer. Mm. Um, and then on the other corner is the victim. Uh, kind of this is the classic victim that we all kind of think of when somebody's going victim, and it is kind of you know. And the word up underneath it is shrink. And then on the other corner is what we call the perpetrator. Um, and I love the way he just said uh, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, perpetrator. <laughs> I'm perpetrating right now. Um, and uh, underneath that is, is uh, puff up, uh, or we put withdraw under that uh, as well. Uh, a lot of times when somebody, a therapist, is working with the drama triangles or, or the, the Cartman triangles, uh, they will put the withdrawal piece over under victim. We put withdrawal under perpetrator because it, most often that withdrawal, that shutting down and holding that position for some long period of time is really more about covert rage than mm-hmm. it is like just I'm shutting down. It's very punitive. Oh, it is because yeah. when I withdraw from a relationship and I put my partner in solitary confinement because I'm stonewalling, not talking in the corner, invoking my man's superpower of sulking and pouting. Mm. By the way, if men had a superpower, it, it would be sulking and pouting yeah. in the corner, sucking our thumb. Uh, because somehow we think that that's going to do something and help, and we keep doing it. I'm um, picking up on a little aggression as you uh, well, describe I, this. I think it's coming from just my own past history okay, of, okay. Of, of my own superpower. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So uh, we're working our way around. There are three points on the triangle. Yeah. These are three like ways to participate in a relationship. Um, we have the victim, we have the rescuer, we have the persecutor, and there's, you know, sub descriptions of that that kind of are more descriptive of the modality, but those are the three major points. That's it. Oh yeah. Okay. So when we get involved with this, like you, I'd love for you to describe, because this doesn't sound very counselor-like, we're up off the couch and we're on a rug (laughs) that has these points and you guys will often say, all right, let's... Let's have this argument. Let's rehab this argument as it went, and then you're physically moving the couple around this triangle. Yeah, we uh, we're having the conversation in real time, and just you know, I'll talk about mine and Eva's uh, our crazy dance, uh, the triangles. All of us have a starting block uh, on these on these corners. I was afraid you were going to say. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and what I have discovered is that most of us men, not all. But our starting block is the victim corner. Oh, uh, I don't want that dude, to be true, No, Ron. it's true. I will edit this out. Oh, yeah, yes. Uh, and I always, <laughs> uh, when I'm working with it and explaining it, I always tell guys, I'm like, no, no, look, this is my corner. You know, I've got my tent pitched right here. <laughs> Nobody, my pity parties are the best, right? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, um, because that's what I used to do. Um, and that was my starting gate, uh, starting block, because part of it for me, I grew up two older brothers. Uh, I mean, we worked, but we had like, you know, 
my mother, you know, she did all the, you know, household stuff. That was not for men. Mm. Um, and and she had, you know, uh, we had maids that helped her. And, I mean, we just, we didn't do any of that. Uh, we're working. And, and so, you know, I get married, and uh, what would I be looking for uh, in a spouse? I wasn't looking for a wife. I was looking for a mama. Ouch. Yeah, to do all those things, right, mm-hmm. to rescue me. And so up at that, you know, the kind of the top the top corner of the triangle is that parent uh, or enabler. Uh, it's enabler, parent, and they are the rescuer. Uh, and, and the enabler, you know, that one is, we kind of know, you know, what an enabler is mm-hmm. you're an alcoholic and your wife says you know honey i know you love to drink i'll stop on the way home and get you another fifth of whiskey and yeah i'm just you know i, I want to help you right as I'm, long as you drink it at home yeah yeah, yeah. It, but i'm enabling bad behavior right and then on the parent side of rescue is the one that tells the other what to do when to do how to do it uh, how high to jump what to say when to say it it, it's a parent, it, and, and, and you've got, now you get a parent-child dynamic in a relationship. Holy moly. I always tell guys, because, you know, my starting gate is the victim, and Eva, her starting block, starting place is the parent, not enabler. She doesn't enable much at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not any. It's, <laughs> yeah. But so when we got married, um, you know, she grew up, she was keeping the books for her father's business when she was like 14. Wow. So she's firstborn, overly responsible, and man, she, she'll get it done, mm-hmm. right? Wow. So what's the victim looking for? The rescuer that will get it done, and I can just kind of do whatever I need to do. The problem with it is, though, that parent likes to tell the child, you know, what to do and how to do it and, uh, you know, um, to, to, to help and to do your part. And, and so those, those two places were our starting, starting gates in the conflict, right? Mm-hmm. And the way it would play out, he was asking me, telling me to do something. And it, oh man, it works great as long as I'm doing whatever it is she's telling me to what to do okay, and how to do it until I didn't. And then she would go to, she she's moving down the, the triangle to the other corner and she would go to puff up. Because mm. uh, not only did you not do it, you really didn't do it. Oh, man. And so now... <laughs> because you're rebelling, right? Is that how that works? You're rebelling against that parental posture, even though that's that's kind of what you wanted. When it's too much, you're like, yep. wait a damn minute. Oh, yeah. You know? it, it and then feels controlling. Yeah, right? okay. Oh, yeah. She's just always... And again, victim statements, when you hear yourself saying always and never, oh, gosh, she's always trying to control me. You know, she's always telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. You're in victim mode. Yep. And so when that would happen, and now I'm pushing back against the the mother, the authority, the control, well, mother is going to get mad and go down to persecutor, perpetrator, and she is going to puff up. And now she's mad because I didn't do what I was told to do when to do it mm-hmm. and i would stay in victim mode like oh gosh she always gets mad 
good grief. You know, uh, again, just, man, I'm living in the victim mode until I got a belly full of that. And then I would bounce. Now, again, this is happening in conversationally, right? Yeah. And this stuff is happening in milliseconds. Quick. And we are bouncing all around this triangle in, in these conversations, in the conflict. So you move, you've actually, you have the ability to move out of the victim slot and for your partner to move down into the victim slot? Is that how it works? Can you, can you be at the top of the triangle where you have a persecutor and a rescuer to get, or do you always have to have a victim? No, no. Uh, the, the way that, that we work with it is, is like on the red triangle, and we're going to talk about the green, the healthy side in a minute. Yeah. But on the red triangle, um, you're not ever going to be on the same corner at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if if I'm in victim mode, now the other person they may be in in they may actually be on the green triangle and being boundaried, uh, but I am going to do everything I can to place them in that perpetrator role. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. Because if if I'm a victim, there's got to be a villain, right? Has to be. Yeah. And, and you're it. <laughs> yes. And and so. I would bounce over into perpetrator and I would puff up and rage out and, you know, mine would be, you know, a, a quick volcano explosion. Mm-hmm. And then Eva would bounce up to uh, the rescuer enabler side. Um, and my next move would be the withdrawal. And, and again, we talked about it. Yeah. I'm pissed. I'm angry. I rage out. And then I go to shut down, and now I've gone from overt rage to overt rage to covert rage. I am seething. I'm pissed. I'm not going to talk to you, and I'm putting her in solitary confinement. And when I when we demonstrate this, I walk off the mat about twenty feet. I'm uh, not even you know Elvis has left the building. You're for real. Oh yeah. Yeah. But but that's a you in order to hold that stonewalling position for some period of time, you're an angry dude, right? Mm. And I was. And so, but the system works because I knew what would happen. Eva would bounce back up and she would not go back to parent mode. She's going to step over uh, uh, into that and she's going to be an enabler because she's starting to try to reel me back in because it's tapping into her old abandonment issues, what she grew up in, alcoholic home. And so this is how the system works, right? Yeah, yeah. And so she starts reeling me back in like, oh, we're more more than this. And, you know, she would spiritualize it. You know, this is the enemy and uh, all the stuff. And just like, it's like reeling me back in. And it, because at that point, I'm starting to hear, oh, wow, she really does want me. She she wants everything to be okay. She's she's like, and so I'm getting hooked back into it, and she's reeling me back in, and I get close back even on the mat, on the triangles, <laughs> and then what happens? Well, she immediately steps back over into that parent role and begins to tell me, what I didn't do, how I did it. I can't believe you blew up again. Can't believe you withdrew and shut down. And now 
we're back in the dynamic because I would just go right back to the victim corner. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, this is a, this always happens. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And so, man, we danced that dance for so many years until we began to figure it out, having no idea mm-hmm. what you're actually doing. Nope. Oh no. So subconsciously, there's like these there are these patterns of behavior in relationship, and the way I describe it is a contract. You have a contract of how you're operating. You may not understand it, but both people usually can articulate the pattern, but they don't actually understand what's going on. So the crazy dance just continues over and over and over again. So this happens, you overlay it over the entire relationship. You can also overlay it over particular conflict. Uh, And so much of this, and I know we sound like a broken record, but it goes back to what was modeled Mm. for us. We're going to- We learned it. Yeah, we learned it. And we kind of, picked our favorite strategy, as you're saying. Uh, a lot of men do go victim and we have, uh, we're going to get to sex in just a minute. Like I'm getting fired up about this, oh, yeah. but uh, we have a lot of men who are going victim. We have a lot of women, especially in con- conservative circles who love to be that rescuer. Like, oh, I've got, I've got mm. Jesus in my heart mm. and I can change this man. I can fix and him. I sit in session after session where that phrase actually comes out. I thought I could fix him. I thought it would be different after we got married. Here we are, you know, three years later, the same thing's going on. I'm like, well, partly that's your responsibility because he's been this way the entire time and you linked up with it, right? So why did you link up with it? Uh, His behavior is not your responsibility, but it is your responsibility to acknowledge he was never going to change because you weren't going to be able to rescue enough. Um, So when we start giving these words, even just I find, even just the language is helpful for a couple. Uh, Now, no man likes to be told that he's going victim. Oh, dude. Yeah. But I actually like using that phrase because then the anger comes out. Yeah, it's coming. There you go. Well, when when the way we work the triangles, uh, kind of the the top corner is the, the... the, the enabler parent, and then the, the bottom two corners on one side is the classic victim, on the other side is perpetrator, and I call that victim-perpetrator line, that that's the narcissist line, right? Oh, now you it, said a big word. Oh, yeah, because okay. it, it's really the two faces of narcissism, and we kind of, I mean, okay, the classic narcissist, uh, he's the bull, he's the perpetrator, it's his way or the highway, uh, but when you go on that other side of the continuum, on the victim side, who's it all about? <laughs> it's all about me yeah. and my feelings and my pain and my hurt and what's happened to me. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's just narcissistically focused. On, and with, I mean, there's, there's no empathy for the other because I'm just in my pity party, mm-hmm. right? It's all I've about unfortunately me. spent a lot of time around a narcissist, and that's exactly how that operates. And you can see them. It almost feels like, and I know this is dangerous language, but dual personalities. Oh, well, yeah. Because both of those things, when you're in relationship with a narcissist, are extremely exaggerated. They are using it up front, no camouflage. I'm like, you either get on <laughs> with my plan or you get the hell out of here. And then if that doesn't work because somebody stands up to them, we're going to get to that in just a moment. 
then they definitely move over to, oh, we're, well, poor me, here's my story. These are the reasons why I'm this way. And, mm-hmm. You know, they're asking you to run over there and save them. You know, I'm laughing about it right now, but I participated in that for nearly a decade. Oh, dude, it, yeah. Isn't that yes. crazy? Because you just feel... Hashtag me too. Yeah. <laughs> you just feel compelled when a person takes a position on the triangle. You're like, well, I've got one of two options here. Which isn't true, mm-hmm. but that's how you feel. I've either got to be this or this based on that. And that's what makes the crazy dance. Because when we don't get what we want, then we'll switch positions and force the other person to switch positions so that we get what we want, right? Man, it is so... And, and when we do our couples intensives, the the, the triangles are uh, one of the main pieces of work. And the thing that's so interesting is because, you know, in an intensive, uh, you're in there uh, with like five other couples, right? And, And two therapists and sometimes two therapist observers. But what's interesting is when, you know, uh, we ask them to come up with a conflict, uh, that's kind of the homework, uh, not a not a uh, DEFCON 10, uh, something that's probably along the lines of a five so that we won't get any blood on our rug. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, we don't want wrestling matches. Uh, but what's interesting is when the couple invite, when the one person invites the other into the triangles to have a conversation... You know, everybody wants to start out on the green, uh, which is the healthy triangle. And everybody pick, picks their spot. Oh, you know, yeah. I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then what is so interesting, within oh, about seven seconds, because we just tell them to have the conversation, right? We're not getting them, like, sometimes, you know, when they're doing the exercise, they're trying to explain. We're like, no, no, no. You're talking to her. You're talking to him. Mm-hmm. You guys just have this conversation. Well, I mean, it is amazing how quickly they drop into it. And then the other thing that's neat and one of the great things about doing this work in kind of a group setting with other couples is how the the couples watching, they see it happening and they're sitting there going like, Dude, you need to move. You're 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 being a victim, right? <laughs> but I mean, you you see it so clearly. But when you're in it, because it's so ingrained and it's so just natural uh, of what, kind of what we learned, what we do, and what we practiced, mm. we have a hard time seeing it. Yeah. And so the couple is moving around these triangles, and you know they'll they're just they're having the conversation, and then what's so interesting, you know, it starts to heat up, and you know we're 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 just we're trying to you know contain it, and mm. we're we're intervening, but we're. We're going up, and you know, I'm I'm whispering in the guy's ears, like, "Dude, where? Look where you're standing. Is that that's? Does that look like the right place based on what you just said? Mm. Where Where do you need to be? Yeah. And he's like, mm. and I said, maybe you need to phone a friend, right, and pull the audience, and because they all know. Yes. And so, and so, your the movement, you know, part of it is why we call it experiential therapy, but it. It's it's not just the cognitive talking about it. And now you've got your body engaged because so much of all of this dysfunction is not just the way we think, it's also the way we behave and the way our body reacts and responds. So now it's a super effective way to see it better, for it to go deeper, mm-hmm. and actually uh, begin to change it as you learn it. And so the the... The way that, for me, uh, 
kind of getting out of this this cycle. Um, when Ava began, you know, obviously we've, we've done our own work, do mm-hmm. our own work, still doing our own work. But when she began to understand just, you know, healthy boundaries, um, it, well, I would do the perpetrator thing, and, and then I'm off the mat over there sucking my thumb, sulking, pouting in the corner, man superpower. And, and she would not, like, reach out to me. Uh, she would not call me. The, the way it would typically play out, classic example, you know, it, it's always in the mornings, you know, I got to go to work and, you know, the kids and the stuff and all the things that are happening. And then you get into an argument and then I would do, you know, my little drama queen exit because I've gone victim. She's in parent mode. We're just doing the dance. And then I go to, you know, a, a Probably didn't rage out in front of the kids, right? But it gets heated, voices raised, uh, and then I'm gonna do my Dairy Queen drama queen exit, and I'm like, I gotta go to work, and so I'm gonna leave, right? So I'm withdrawing, and then I get in the car, and you know, like I could count on Eva's gonna call me before I get to the first stop sign in the neighborhood, right? I mean, I. It, it was like clockwork. That quick. I mean, you just, I knew it was going to happen. And so then she calls and then we kind of, you know, get back into it. All right. But, but it's meeting a need. Mm. I knew that it would, that that would happen. Right. And it's meeting the need. It's like, okay, somehow she loves me. She wants everything to be okay. So all of these behaviors, they meet a need. We wouldn't do them unless they met a need. Right. I mean, it's screwed up. It's distorted thinking, Mm -hmm. but it's what we learned, and it works, right? And so, okay, then, you know, I hang up, and and we're just, okay, we're still doing the dance. But where it really began to change was when Eva began to have boundaries, and we get into the argument, I have, you know, do my drama queen exit, can I say that? That's probably offensive. Sorry. I don't, yeah. When anyway. have you ever worried about that? Dude, you know, I'm always so concerned nah. about, uh, yeah. I know offending what Offending people. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I, I do my little exit, get in the car, and, you know, I get to the second stop sign. I get to the third. I get out of the neighborhood. Dude, I'm, I'm almost in full-blown panic attack mode, right? Because she's not calling me. The pattern oh, has changed. Oh, my gosh. And so now, you know, I get to the office and uh, I could hold out till, you know, maybe 930. And then guess what I guess what I would do? I would pick up the phone and call her, mm. right? Which is what I needed to do because, in essence, she was enabling my bad behavior of withdrawing, shutting down, doing that crazy dance. And so now... She's like, nope, I'm not going to do that. That's on me to move back towards her, to own my part, rather than just being a victim. And so that was, boy, that was how, you know, that that began to change it. I began to see it. Eva saw it. And that's how this stuff works. We didn't have anybody to show us the drama triangles. Yeah. So you're just, you guys are just figuring this out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. But boy, it's just it's so classic. Mm-hmm. And and so that's kind of how it plays out with so many couples. And and once you begin to see this, it, it actually gives you a language uh to be able to talk about it. Uh, you know, not 
oh, you're just being a victim again. But hopefully it would be you saying, man, I'm recognizing that I'm dropping into that old victim mindset. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, uh, that's not going to go well. I know how that ends. I know how it plays out. Well, what can I do? And so that kind of brings us, I think, to the healthy triangles. And what we do is we just have a, there's another triangle that's overlaid on the red triangle, and it's the green triangle. Uh, When you come in our office, we have a rug with this this on it. And people that don't know what it is, they come in and they think it looks like a a pentagram or it looks like we're sacrificing goats in the office because we have... That's that counselor fear. Oh, yeah. What are we doing Oh, my gosh, yeah. I told you, honey, this is weird. Yeah. And... But we have a cross in the middle of the triangles, um, and and there's a reason for that. But on the green triangles, uh, the three positions on that um, are is the, there's ownership, um, and uh, there's boundaries, uh, and uh, and then there's negotiation and solutions uh, agreements. Uh, is is what's that? That's what's up underneath. Uh, negotiate and find solutions. That even just sounds more healthy. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, under under ownership is responsibility, and under boundaries uh, is sacred ground. Right, because I think the goal in life uh, is to become a well boundaried human being. Mm. Uh, that's who Jesus was. Right. That's what he modeled. And I think that's the goal for all of us, uh, to be a whole, uh, that is wholeness, is a well-boundary person. And so the way out of the red triangle is, we call it, it's a diagonal move. So across the triangle, diagonally, um, on on victim, is ownership. Mm, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. And up underneath ownership is responsibility, responsible. Mm. Because what does a victim have to do in order to get out of that? Well, I've got to own my part. I've got to own that I am, like, not being responsible relationally. I'm kind of putting it on the other person to tell me what to do and when to do. And I, No, I've got to take initiative. And so you go diagonally across the triangle, and in the center of the triangle is a is is the cross, mm-hmm. because we believe that it's like the idea of of my true self in Christ, who I was created to be from the beginning, before all this crazy stuff started to develop. But I'm I'm actually recovering uh, the life, the person that God intended me to be from the beginning. So the cross is symbolic of like I know that if I go to healthy, that things are probably going to like work out a whole lot differently. Mm-hmm. But if I just stay in unhealthy, the red triangle, I know how that's going to play out, yeah. right? I love that imagery too because it's a signal like something has to die. Absolutely. Something has to be put to death. And if, if you want to see a victim's brain completely short circuit, you start asking them ownership questions. You know, one, a classic one that we use all the time. What part do you think you play in this? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's an ownership question, you know? Totally. Even when someone is saying, well, you this, and you, you know, I just need this, and you won't be this for me, and all this victim language, and then you turn it around and say, 
well, what does the solution look like for you? Mm. You ask them to describe what it is they actually want and it just, they flatline because they're so committed to victim mentality. They can't even put language to what they want. They just want to make sure that that those other people are on the other two spots in the triangle. That's the, the major job. Like, don't move down this direction. So it makes sense that ownership would be on the opposite side of that. It also makes sense that if you have spent your adult life, and this is most people, they adopt this in childhood and they use it for their entire adult life. If you've been using this for 20 years and, you, and you're challenged to take part in ownership of your own story, Boy, that feels frightening. So foreign. How would you do that without a guide? Oh, man. Yeah, scares, scared to death, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I, I need, it's not that I just want a rescuer. I need a I rescuer. I need a rescuer. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because part of it, you know, in some ways, I don't know how, right? That mm-hmm. That's a, that, that's, I, I, and, and, not that that's even a victim mindset. You probably don't, don't know, know how. how. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. very hard to admit, though, isn't it? Oh, totally. It's uh, hard for me to admit that almost over anything. Oh, yeah. It, it feels embarrassing. Yeah. Who wants to be embarrassed? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. There are lots of hurdles to climbing out of that victim posture and jumping onto the green triangle. Oh, it is. Um, and and so on the perpetrator corner um the 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 diagonal movement across and again it's like you go across you go through the cross yeah and that's just simply the idea of i'm moving from my false self on the red the unhealthy i'm moving to my true self and that that's what it symbolizes right and so uh on the opposite corner diagonally is negotiate and solutions and underneath it it says agreement um, because we know that, like, getting defensive, getting angry, uh, sulking, pouting, all those things that we do, it never, ever works. No, ever. don't say Not it wrong. Don't say it wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but yet we continue to do it. Maybe right? this time. Yeah, this time it will. <laughs> but it never does. But we yeah. just continue to perpetuate it. And so if I move over, because like whatever I'm angry about, whatever I'm puffed up about or I'm withdrawn about, there's probably a way to find a solution and agreement together. But if I'm just not even talking, that chances of that happening are zero. Zero, yeah. Right? Um, that's it, where this modern language comes in of turning away or turning towards. Mm. That's why that's been, I think, so popular as of late is that turning away is the red triangle. Yep. That turning towards is the green triangle. Yeah. And even I always say, you know, the more intimate a relationship is, and when we say intimate, we don't mean sex. We're talking about emotional connection. Uh, that Always part. important. Yes. Yeah. I have to delineate have to say that. Yep. Oh, gosh. You know, it, 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 that word got hijacked in the 1400s, and it made its way into Bible translations. And, yeah, it's just like, are you, yeah, we have to delineate that. It's yep. two different things. It, but... But the more intimate a relationship is, the more agreements you're going to have. 
I mean, we have unspoken agreements with neighbors, right? I mean, you may have spoken if the guy's a moron or something. Like, <laughs> dude, don't come get my lawnmower. They're out there. Yeah, they are. <laughs> don't don't get the lawnmower out of my, my garage without asking me. Uh, hopefully, he would just kind of, we have that unspoken agreement. Sometimes it may be some spoken agreements, um, and you would have a few of those, right? But when you start thinking about intimate relationships, close relationships, in order to make a relationship functional, you've got to have lots of agreement agreements in order to make it work. Mm-hmm. And agreements are not boundaries. Boundaries are who I am as a man, uh, who Eva, my wife, is as a woman. And that's my values and my integrity, things that I will do, things that I will not do, things that I will accept, things that I will not accept. That's boundaries. You don't, there's no such thing as boundaries in a marriage, right? Mm. Individuals have boundaries. And then healthy, whole, well-boundaried people are able to keep their agreements. If I'm not keeping an agreement, then it's not the other person. There's something going, there's something amiss inside of me where I'm not keeping an agreement. And that's a boundary issue, right? That sounds like an episode in oh, and of itself. Dude. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we, we, you move from perpetrator uh, over to negotiate um, and, you know, solutions and agreement. And then if you're in the rescue enabler parent mode, uh, the movement across the triangle is to boundaries. You've got to learn to, you've got to stay in your lane, right? Don't make the phone call by the first stop sign. Exactly. Yeah, she was just enabling bad behavior. And so it's just the idea, I'm going to clean up my side of the street. Uh, I'm not going to uh, go over there on your side and clean your side of the street and tell you what to do, when to do, or how to do it, or enable bad behavior. I'm going to stand on my sacred ground And it's, again, back to boundaries, it's what I will accept, what I will not accept, what I will do, and what I will not do. And that's that's our sacred ground. And the great thing about becoming well-boundaried is if the other person wants to dance on the red triangles, well, you can just stand there and watch them all day long. Knock yourself out. Oh, man. Wow, look at that move. Um, (laughs) But it's... But it's the idea of, like, I do not have to engage in behavior that is not good for me, not good for the relationship, and probably destructive. And so becoming well-boundaried. So uh, just to layer another phrase on top of that that I've had connect with my client base, uh, and it really comes down to codependence, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, To be able to say to the other person in the relationship, whether that be friend or spouse, uh, or neighbor, uh, yeah. to be able to say, Hey, I'm okay. Even when you're not okay. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want you to be not okay. Right. I'm, I'm on a healthy triangle. You're welcome to join me. There's plenty of room over here, Yeah. but I'm okay if you're not okay. And I think this is where we see a lot of men falter. Uh, and this is going to have to be another episode for mm-hmm. sure. But when we, when we pepper sex in there on this drama Ooh. triangle, man, it gets intense. So I want to talk about, I want to dedicate an hour just for yeah, that. we will. Uh, but to be able to say to the other person, uh, I'm all right, even though you're dysregulated, I'm okay. I'm not going to join you there, but you're certainly welcome to join me here. 
but that's going to be on your own initiative. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And and then the key to that is actually being okay. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. You make a valid point, Roan. I'm yeah. not just pretending to be okay. Right. I'm not going to... Fingers gonna... crossed for five minutes, yeah. but you better get over here. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm okay. I have... And, and, and the thing that I find so helpful is, is to ask people when they're caught in this, um, what do you do when your friend or your spouse is dysregulated and they're over on that track? What are your hobbies and habits? Uh, mm. What are the things that you fill that space in with to be okay? Yeah. Do you have something outside of that person that brings you fulfillment that does, as you're pointing out, actually bring you fulfillment? Or is it just another kind of prop? And this happens all the time. Well, I'm just going to go out to the garage, you know, because my hobbies are out there. That's not what you're doing. You're baiting them out there. I'm going to pull out the book. I'm going to put in the AirPods. You're really actually just sending them signals that you're not okay. Yeah. Uh, but do you have things that are legitimate that bring you joy and are fulfilling? And if we have a couple that is extremely codependent, those things have not been built over Mm-mm. the years. If they were present in the first place, the marriage has gobbled them up, and we're left with nothing. Uh, we're we're not having physical or non-physical intimacy with our spouse. And we don't know who we are apart from operating in this drama. That can be a very lonely place. Oh, yeah. Well, even when I talked about, you know, in the perpetrator corner, uh, that idea of withdrawal, covert rage. Yeah. You know, we're actually, what I would do, I'm putting Eva in like, she's like a POW, right? She She's, it, it's psychological torture, worst form of, worst form of punishment. We know this yes. uh, is putting somebody, put them in solitary, and guess what? They will go crazy. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that's what happens. And and so I'm putting the other person in this solitary confinement. She knows something's wrong, but of course, I'm not talking because I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm my, too busy winning to talk. My, it's my superpower. <laughs> yeah, um, and so, but she's sitting there knowing something's wrong, and then. She doesn't know what's wrong, right? And so from a psychological standpoint, it it is, I think, one of the worst forms of uh, <laughs> unhealthy conflict that, that any of us can do. Um, and so, you know, I've got to, instead of waiting on her to somehow rescue me, enable that behavior, my I've got to move back into the relationship, uh, rather than just because again, it's a rageful position. Yeah. Uh, to do that to, I, to I another tell person men all the time. Man, you got to use your words. Use your words here, you know. And it is helpful in in a setting like that with a counselor for that initial uh, those initial words that are usually rage coming out are directed kind of at the uh, counselor. Well, she what? You know, all oh, the yeah. anger spews towards <laughs> it. And like, I'm okay. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I clean that stuff off me all day long. That's yeah, what I do. And, yeah. and I'm going to get paid. And I'm, I'm going to get paid, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know, and, and that's where we can say, because we aren't on the triangle. Um, and look, there, there are peers who are, have done their work, calling back to another episode, that are healthy, that can help people process through this as well. Uh, but to receive that rage, say, I see that, man. I see how angry you are. But what's beneath that? You know, let's go to that next layer because if if you don't have that third party 
then the rage just fuels the dance around the triangles. But you've got to have somebody that's able to receive that. You know, I think that's a very important part of this. Well, how do we get off the, the red and onto the green? What do we do? Mm-hmm. Like, talk to somebody who's not on either one with you in that relationship. Oh, totally. And that can view it and understands this paradigm. And as you pointed out earlier in the episode, for couples to be able to understand this, and I find, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I find that this, as much as it is involved in marital relationships, the parent-child relationship oh, is usually drenched in this as well. Absolutely. And, you know, when you kind of begin to learn this and figure it out and see it, what you begin to see is not just, you know, marriage relationship, not parent-child relationship. It's every relationship. Mm. It's work relationships. Every relationship. It's friend relationships. You will begin to see it playing out. And it's like I always say with this, especially once you see it, yeah. this, you cannot unsee it's it. the curse of knowledge. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. So we'd like to end the episode. I, w- I would assume this would be a good place to put just a pause before we get to the sexual part of talking about this. Uh, just to encourage those that are wanting to jump off the red and onto the green, studying those sides of negotiating, of ownership, of boundaries, those would be good things to begin to focus on and trying to figure out how to incorporate those into your relationship in, in new ways. Uh, would you say that's an effective thing, even if the, the partner or friend isn't joining you in that? Yeah, I think, again, um, you know, the, the only place you can go when the other person wants to dance is you, you got to go to boundaries. Right, that that's the only place you can go because uh, they're trying to draw you in. They they want to suck you in, yeah. and and have the old familiar dance, um, because it is familiar, right? And in in some ways, it's worked for us uh, very unhealthily. Uh, but they're wanting to suck you into that, and if you can just be well boundaried and not engage in it, boy, you it that chances are. If one person can stay on the green and not go into the red, this stuff will usually play itself out pretty quickly. But if we both jump into the sandbox and start throwing sand in each other's eyes and hit, hitting each other over the head with Tonka trucks, uh, <laughs> yeah, things are not going to end well. So the boundaries put in place, uh, it's not working anymore. Yep. Well, my strategy is not working oh, anymore, yeah. which usually we respond to that, both male and female, with rage, with anger. Oh, yeah. Uh, but to hold your ground there and to say, hey, I'm just, I'm not participating in this yeah. any longer. And I don't have to be mad. I think this is a, a great thing to say here. We don't have to be mad to put a boundary in place. No. That's something I confused, <laughs> I would say, probably Dude, until I, just a few years ago. <laughs> I think we all all do, yeah. uh, especially early on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just the idea of, you know, say what you mean, mean what you say, and don't say it mean. Look at that. <laughs> you must do this for a living. Uh, I, yeah, I just I stole that from Jim Crest. There I'm you sure. go. Okay, yeah. so let's start, <laughs> let's start with boundaries. We're going to pick this conversation up in our next episode when we layer sex in there because that tends to complicate things mm-hmm. a little bit. and Ooh, uh, amps it up. It amps it up a lot. And I find that there are most couples that are searching for help that's usually the thing that sends them that direction. So uh, we'll, we'll break that down in our next episode, but encouraging our listeners at this point to investigate uh, ownership, to investigate boundaries and negotiation and figure out 
maybe a great place to start is, are you even good at any of those things? <laughs> you know, one of the things we tell couples sometimes, you know, because boundary work, you know, man, there's a lot involved there. Um, but but a great place to go always uh, to get out of the red is just go to ownership. You know, what what can I own? What's my part in this silly conflict? Um what what can I own, and then just do repair work around you know the the rip that you've caused. Where there's a rip, there's got to be a repair, and so ownership is always just a great place to start. And don't blame the other; just own it. I was wrong. Stop saying I'm sorry. It doesn't mean a whole lot anymore. Mm-hmm. But when you say I was wrong, it has more impact. To learn more about what you've heard today and to engage with the Sex, God, and Chaos team, visit sexgodchaos.com.